Welcome to Five Star Weekly. Atlanta United have won two on the bounce with wins against Houston and DC, but now they face a cross-country trip against top of the league LAFC. Can the Five Stripes keep it up? We discuss all that and more next. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. So it's a six point match week, and that means a lot of fun stuff to talk about, especially that Houston Dynamo match where, yeah, I mean, it kind of started off conspicuously for us a little bit. And then Albert Elise, yeah, he uh, just. Moment kinda, of madness? Moment of madness, uh, bumped the ref, and he's gone. And the match goes swimmingly for us after that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know. It takes a little bit for us to break down, of course, because it is a team that, you know, is going to start to bunker and start to uh, try to not let us score, obviously. And, uh, you know, against Red Bulls, it didn't really quite work out as we wanted. But uh, in this match, just, you know. It absolutely did. It really just, uh, Don and Nagby uh, started off the scoring, which is just unprecedented in an Atlanta United uniform as well. Literally unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. Has not happened before, and it was yeah. a hell of a goal. Indeed. Yeah, take it one touch and then just go, you know, into the top left corner is fantastic. Uh, and with a Julian Gressel cross as well, that was beautiful, lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, the build-up play in that goal, exactly. I think, was fantastic because it was something that Atlanta hasn't really done this season. They won the ball back high up the pitch after they had lost it. Mm -hmm. Nagby gets the ball, plays it to Hyman, and you have midfielders running into the box. Yes. You had Hyman and you had Nagby both running into Perfect the box. Spot. Hyman lays it off perfectly to Gressel, who chops it into the middle, and then, like you said, perfect finish from Darlington Nagby, and it's mm -hmm. your midfield getting involved, creating yes. goals, which is not something that's been happening for this team. It's what we talked and about. It's what we've talked about for so long. <laughs> It's, you know, we can go back through this podcast for the whole season and be like, we don't have anyone else in the box besides Joseph Martinez. Yeah. We don't have anyone in the box besides Joseph Martinez. You need those we don't have runs. anyone in the box besides Joseph Martinez. Right. But and there it, were four or five guys there yeah, this time. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's uh, a difference is Emerson Heinemann coming into the squad. I think he's kind of showing uh, almost starting to nag what he can do as well. And, you know, he's arriving late in the box. And that's exactly what you need, especially uh, when Joseph's covered by two center backs. It's beautiful. It alleviates beautiful. some of the stress on Nagby because Nagby isn't going to be relied upon to be the sole midfielder that's good at creating on the ball because yeah. Heinemann can do that. Heinemann excels at going mm -hmm. forward. His football IQ is incredible. Yeah. He gets the ball most of the time. It is a one-touch pass unless mm -hmm. he's dribbling at someone. And he really passes and moves. And he passes it, and yes. then he moves and takes a position further forward. He doesn't take a position to go back. He finds the space further forward and tries to continue to advance the ball down the field. And I think, like you said, this game went fantastically for Atlanta United, but it could have been a very very different story yeah. had Houston and Harrison been able to take that chance That's because true. Elise has the best of Michael Parker's puts a fantastic ball in that somehow Houston don't score and then as the ball's coming back in there's a whole little rigmarole of things and mm -hmm. Elise gets the fouls LGP and then the red card changes everything and mm -hmm. I think this whole match, as good as Atlanta United were, it is kind of undertone and underlined by that red card, which, mm -hmm. in my personal opinion, I thought was a weak call from the ref. Because, yes, did Elise get in his face? He mm -hmm. was close, mm -hmm. but the ref also stepped to Elise. And the ref was in his face just as much as, as Elise was in his. And mm -hmm. the referee, I didn't think, controlled the match well. I mm -hmm. think he could have looked at him and said, I'm going to book you again if you don't get out of my face. Controlled him and let him go And I think, that. Uh, yeah, Houston Dynamo's uh, manager or head coach had outlined to his team before the match, too, that they need to watch out for this ref and that, you know, he does give quick cards. Especially against Houston. Their previous exactly. match with this ref, I think they had three players sent off and the manager was sent off after the game had right. ended. And so, so yeah, to it's... me, in my opinion, that reflects poorly on the official because I think that shows there's a lack of maturity on the official's part because mm -hmm. he thinks that, that he's more important than he is. Mm -hmm. And there was even a point in time where LGP had a foul and he like called LGP over and was like talking to him and was like, yo, it's just a normal foul, let it go. Mm -hmm. I didn't think the referee did a good job, but hey, at the end of the day, it played into Atlanta United's hands yeah. and it gave them a chance to grow in confidence. Yes. And I think that's the one thing that you can take away from this the most yeah. is that they were having fun, mm -hmm. they had confidence, and they were going forward and attacking the team in ways we haven't seen since Tata Martino. Indeed, Andrew. yeah, they were doing some flicks, some tricks, and it was like uh, they, we were enjoying our football again, and that's exactly what we you want. We were having fun watching it. Exactly, and uh, I think that's what you want to see from LA United in the home stretch, because yeah, we're in the latter half of the season now, and so yeah, it is a, a point where uh, them building this type of confidence is massive. Yes, can we take away too many things or, you know, too many things from this match? Uh, then, yeah, not, not completely because it's 
that type of match where you uh, kind of don't see a full strength team versus a full strength team. And, but with that, you know, you want that confidence to be able to, uh, you know, move forward. Uh, but we'll move forward. Uh, but you have to take soon, you but. have to take advantage of it, and that's the point. Is that yeah. like you mentioned earlier against Red Bulls, they did not take advantage exactly. of playing against ten men and lost. And this time they took advantage of playing a team against you know ten men, and they put them to the sword. Yeah. And that's not something that this team's had is that clinical nature in front mm -hmm. of goal and putting a team away that you needed to put away right. in a convincing manner. And this was the first time that Atlanta had scored yeah. five goals since the five 0 win against this week's opponent LAFC, which yeah. came in April of two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. And so then, it's been a while since Atlanta hit the high five. Yeah, it's uh it's been a while since we've scored more than three goals as well. Uh, but yeah, also Julian Gressel uh, played a huge part in this match uh, right early on. Yeah, early on it wasn't exactly. I think he was feeling it, or he was getting into the, the feeling of it because uh, some of the crosses were a little errant at first, but then he started to really feel it, and then uh, that's where he was able to find the guys in the box uh, with, you know, just his crisp crossing that he's known for for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of assists, right? I mean, that's good. and a goal for himself as well yeah. at the end. And I think that one of those one of the things that you can really predicate his success on in this match was a revert to the 3-5-2. Mm -hmm. yeah. Back to the formation that the team a won the MLS Cup well. under, under Tata Martino, where yeah. Julian Gressel absolutely thrived mm -hmm. within that system playing as a right wing back. Yeah. And I think that it might be his best position that he has on this team. And when yeah. they switched to it, the team looked a whole lot more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they Because we always better. have an outlet on the right, and that's fantastic. Uh, because, yeah, you, you need that width, and that's what we've lacked a lot this season. Or, or maybe too wide, and then we don't have anything going in the middle. It's just, it's a lot more balanced in this formation. Uh, and Dion Pereira actually had, I think, a really, really uh, decent match, I think, um, especially, you know, tracking back as well. I think he was doing the dirty work uh, that you needed to see from him playing left wing back as well. Um, and I think you want to see a little bit more in product, but that, uh, you know, that cross that gets deflected for Brandon Vasquez to put in, uh, definitely at least uh, luckily got on the, uh, the, you know, on the end of someone's head. So fantastic uh, all around. And I think, yeah, it's, uh, you know, in getting into the post-match quotes, for Tarlington Nagby, um, you know, Parky had a little bit of rib at him, especially because uh, Jonathan Nagby missed pretty poorly. Uh, I believe it was against uh, the crew, I think, right? Where that shot was just way errant. They had a little bit of social media banter. And uh, so after the match, he said, uh, that's 100% efficiency, right? Laughs. He was in a good spot like that. I know we had one like that last year that got taken away because of offside, I think. So today he ran over to me and he actually said, finally, man, feels good for him to get on the score sheet. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those things. A year and a half since he's last scored. Uh, I mean, for a guy that used to be kind of a left winger and forward, it is kind of, uh, you know, like a long time coming. I mean, it's it's kind of like he, he I think also, you know, getting uh, when we get into the DC United match, We'll see that yes, he has been getting into the box more, and that's exactly what you uh, you need. And maybe that's what was on the note that uh, you know <laughs> was given we'll to him. We'll discuss that more that's, later. Yeah, that's a tease. But uh, but anyway, so we'll move on to the DC United match where it was a two 0 win. We left it late, obviously. Very late. Very very late. But uh, I think you know. Throughout the match, we you know created some chances. Uh, DC United, they definitely had their chances that they scuffed, for sure. And Brad Guzan made some really good saves yes. and stood up in some big moments when he had to. Indeed, indeed. And so it's one of those matches where it's frustrating throughout. DC United looked to uh, escape with the result that they wanted, especially without Wayne Rooney. Uh, Pretty much their talisman, pretty much their guy that would have probably uh, spurred them on to maybe at least score a goal or two. It would have been a much different match, I feel like. Um, Lucho Acosta still, though, I mean, he still was a terror, uh, but I think we contained him well enough. LGP uh, with his dark arts definitely, uh, you know, contained him as well in that regard. So it was fantastic, uh, you know, all around. But. Uh, you know, it's I think it's PT Martinez's match to uh, kind of a a breakthrough. Hopefully, hopefully he can build on that. But for him to score like that, you know, reminiscent of Joseph Martinez, reminiscent of uh, just kind of Joseph Martinez, uh, you know, 
kind of bowling himself into the box and, uh, you know, winning that type of header, I think, you know, also unmarked, but still just, uh, you know, to be able to, to do that in that, uh, that part of the match where we really needed something, especially with the Jose Martinez miss, that's massive. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's been plenty of criticism on about P. Martinez and his play this season. It's sure. myself. I think a lot of people have because we've been waiting for him to have his moment where he shows you what kind of player he is. And he came on as a sub against Houston and nearly had an assist with his first touch. Yeah. And then he comes on in this game, you know, this match as well, where he needed to. It was crying out for someone, a in playmaker underneath to try to start pulling some of the strings. Brandon yeah. Vasquez didn't have a poor game, but he didn't really do too much. Yeah, he was miscast, I think, exactly. in that role. But P.T. Martinez came on and was immediately involved in the play and he really made his presence felt and I think something that's been noticeable in the last two matches is that he seemed a lot more hungry almost he's yeah. been more physical he's been throwing his shoulder yeah. to people into challenges and the tackles whenever people come by him he's just seemed more sturdy and like there's more of a fire there for yeah him. and he, he seems him. more assertive exactly and he yeah. threw himself at that header with reckless abandon. Again, he was a mark, but he absolutely threw himself at it and got it in. And you could see how much it meant not only to him, but to the entire team. Mm -hmm. The team wants him to have that moment. And he was fantastic, and it was a great goal. It was a massive moment for him, and he has had a flair for scoring big, dramatic goals in his career. So to see that, and then to have an incredible assist to Joseph yeah. Martinez, to take that ball, that ball and perfectly weight it. It was one of those plays where it was so perfectly onside that you question how he's onside yeah. because he was so far away from the next guy. Mm -hmm. But that was all PT Martinez in an incredible pass. It was time to perfection, and then Joseph slotted it away. But PT, just fantastic. I, I can't you know say enough about him. I'm hoping this is a watershed moment for him mm -hmm. that he can kick on because we've always said that if he can play to the level that we know he can play at, to the mm -hmm. expectations, Atlanta United will be a much better team for it. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and I'm hoping he can kick on and really start doing the business. Right, and with that win, it uh, is three consecutive wins against DC United at home. And also you have, uh, yeah, it's first consecutive clean sheets since that run of five matches in April and May. So all in all, the performance wasn't fantastic, but you know, we got over the line in the end. And I think, yeah, I mean, DC United, they were there to frustrate us. And, and credit to them, they defended really well. They mm -hmm. were very compact, they were very hard to break down, they were very well organized, mm -hmm. and, and that was frustrating. But they're gonna be one of the better teams, I think, that Atlanta will face in terms of their discipline doing that. Mm -hmm. Their head coach has a tendency to do that at times. Yeah. So it was a good result. Mm -hmm. you, you got the three points that you had to get and did something that Atlanta doesn't do very often, mm -hmm. which is score late winners and then put the anti-New York Red Bulls match, get another yeah. one in Sila as opposed to shipping a goal late. Indeed, indeed it was. Uh, but yeah, I think Frank de Boer uh, persisted with the 3-5-2, which was, uh, I think a lot of us wanted to see. But uh, it was a little bit more experimental this time because Justin Miram was the left wing back. You didn't have Jeff Lerowitz in the middle, which I think lacked, uh, for us, a little bit of that metronome quality to be able to recycle as well and quickly. I liked it better, honestly. I think that the, you're more athletic, you're quicker, you gain yes. more of an ability to go forward when you play those three midfielders together. And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be the best midfield three that Atlanta mm -hmm. United has. I think the more you play it, the more comfortable they'll get yeah. rotating in and out of each position and moving forward. Mm -hmm. I get the whole idea of controlling the ball, but at the same time, the work rate and the yeah. amount of ground you get covered from Darlington Nagy mm -hmm. and Eric Rometty is unmatched. I, I, I think, think better. I think for me, it was the, uh, you know, where we could get sliced open by a counter very, very easily. It's like kind of that uh, Houston match from the very first uh, game last season where you don't have someone in the middle anchoring and it just really, it's it's dangerous. I think the idea so, is to have someone, whoever mm -hmm. is that farthest guy back, whether it be Rometty or Nagby mm -hmm. or even Hindman, but I think mm -hmm. Rometty is probably your most likely candidate, but one yeah, of them has so. to, to make sure that if the guy who's holding makes that run forward, mm -hmm. the guy who's in front of him exactly. now drops back into defense. And I think that's something that the more they practice mm -hmm. it and the more they play it and put it into to, it'll, to become work, more natural it'll become more natural. Sure. And when that happens, that goes into yeah. the Boer system of total yeah. football and having guys mm -hmm. interchange positions and one guy goes forward, another replaces mm -hmm. him. So if that happens, I think that'll be better. But uh -huh. in terms of a midfield three, I think that's the best technical quality and the most athleticism. Oh, for sure. I, I think if you're team. going for attack and, and you know you want the combination play to be able to move together up the pitch, yeah, that three is fantastic, of course. But I have my trepidations. Uh, but, um, you know, it's uh, the... 
you know, three points is three points. And uh, you know, where we are right the... now, we got to take it. You know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it might not be the prettiest, but whatever uh, way we get over the line is fantastic by me. So uh, yeah, one negative, of course, was the Joseph Martinez penalty. Uh, which, yeah, very strange. Uh, maybe, yeah, he hasn't been doing the hop, and then this time he did do the hop, and then it would miss wildly. But, uh, you know, two misses in whatever, uh, in two years. 13 out of 15 on penalties. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It ain't I mean, bad. I had, in my brain, I didn't think it was a possibility he would miss. And I think everybody had did, their phones up. Yeah, and it was, like, it was oh. like, that's probably, yeah. we talked about it in the fan cams yesterday, his worst moment as an Atlanta United player like in terms of being embarrassing yeah, and it's like pretty good. that tells you how good he is is that he fluffed a penalty but then he makes up for it and scores an incredible goal yeah. later in the match where he's cool calm composed and just chips it over the keeper and it's just like yeah. sit down I know I missed earlier it wasn't because of you I got mm -hmm. you guys yeah exactly and we got the Bill Hamid hoodoo off of our back yes. fantastic always great to see uh, us excise some demons for sure. Now but, it's just uh, Red Bulls in the regular season. Exactly. That's it's. I mean, is there anything else? We'll wait until next year, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, I guess unless we build new hoodoo, but let's not even nah, worry about that. We're good. So anyway, let's get into the news, and our standings are looking a lot better. Yes, things are looking pretty nice. Atlanta United is now sitting in second place in the Eastern Conference, and the best bit is they have a game in hand on DC, who are now below us because of our victory over them. And Philadelphia, who are a game above us, we if we go into first, uh, excuse me, let me just rephrase that. If we win our game in hand, our goal difference is currently better, and we will be in first place. Despite all the gnashing of teeth for myself and everyone involved, we can still find ourselves sitting in first in the Eastern Conference, yeah. which is home field advantage in the playoffs, and we know how that goes. Indeed. Uh, I mean, some people have some some things to say maybe about the East that maybe it's mediocre, and maybe the West is uh, paper tigers. Whatever it is, I mean, it's still, it's just, it speaks to uh, how close to each other these teams are. And really, yeah, you really, besides LAFC, everybody's really close to each other. In terms I think of it's LAFC and then everyone else. Yeah. But Atlanta United, what's been definitely. important is that you saw your goal difference increase by seven over the past two matches to go from plus three to plus ten. Yeah. That's massive because now the only other team that has a goal difference as good as you is NYCFC, who are kind of a dark horse right now because they've played three matches less than Atlanta United and four matches less than Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And games in hand mean nothing in terms of points until you play them. Mm -hmm. But if they were to win those games in hand, NYCFC would be sitting in first place in the East, but Atlanta United still has to play them twice home and well, once home, once away in September. So that is where I think you could possibly see the fleshing out of that first, second place spot. So I just, my gut feeling is Philadelphia. They have been playing so well, but I still think they've been overperforming from what they have. Yeah, and with possibly, City, possibly. If, if NYCFC can get a goal score figured out mm -hmm. to replace David Villa, mm -hmm. then I think that they could be very dangerous. As yeah. Well. But it's but, weird that they've played so many games less. It's true, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's uh they haven't had Champions League. It's just weird. I think it's because like the Yankees home games take precedent. Could and be. If the Yankees play at home and they can't play, and it's yeah. just a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess they don't really have a ton of people show up to the matches anyway, mm -hmm. so that's a whole thing anyway. Anyway, let's move on. Joseph Martinez has scored against every MLS club. With that goal against Houston. With that goal against Houston, what an achievement. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, yes. but uh, you know, uh, and his second goal against Houston was naughty. Yes, he sat the keeper and the central defender down <laughs> and said, "This is mine. Thank you very much. I am the king here. Goodbye. <laughs> Good night." Yeah. And um, but yes, uh, so when he was asked by reporters, uh, you know, what what he would, you know, what uh, like does he care about it, you know? And uh, he's like, "They're just goals. Do I get an award for that?" Classic Joseph Martinez answer. Uh, and also, I mean, uh, in Doug Robertson's uh, AJC article, he uh, just was kind of pretty much, it was quote city, where it was beautiful. It's classic Joseph. Yeah, so 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 many good things uh, that he says when he actually wants to say them. And, uh, but another one being, since Atlanta became a team, we've always been an attack-minded team, not a defensive team. That's the way we have to continue to play. Agreed. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if there's some uh, little undertone there, but um, and then definitely uh, you know this one that warms my heart. Uh, I've always said that I like celebrating my teammates' goals more than my own. I don't know why because I don't have a good answer. I enjoy seeing my teammates score more than myself. Then you guys, they're doing a good job and all deserve their opportunity. It's just about making them feel involved. I mean, what a, what a guy. teammate. And Jeez. then he taught his little. I'm gonna. 
kind of quote him here in when he was talking about LAFC and how when he watches LAFC, yeah. he would he wants to cry <laughs> because of how attacking they are. And then something something about he'll just enjoy sitting at home drinking his rum and smoking a cigar. Exactly. Because and, of course. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, that's just uh, the type what of guy, guy he is. He just uh, you know he's also apparently MLS haven't sent him his nameplate for his Golden Boot Award or something they, they, like yeah. that. It's uh, kind of ridiculous actually. Come on, <laughs> it's a nameplate. Like you can get that like. Amazon. Anywhere. Yeah. Just like go somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Come like, on. My God. Anyway. Probably has like a sticky note and just wrote his own name and just stuck the yeah, sticky note on the Yeah, he probably has to now. Yeah, just to like... This is mine. Yeah, exactly. Everybody that comes over, it's like, oh, well, anyway. But um, another achievement, Julian Gressel has reached 100 appearances. Is the first Atlanta United player to do so. And he also, uh, also broke the assist record, two years, uh, by Miguel Miron who did it in 65 matches. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he did it a little late, a uh, little little slower, but still. He's also not Miguel Almiron. Exactly, he's not Miguel Almiron. <laughs> we'll Miron. give him that. And yeah, Miguel Almiron also played more forward than he did, so. And he was also Miguel Almiron. Exactly. So, but uh, congrats to Julian Gressel. I mean, that that's quite an achievement. Who would have thought the super draft pick would have been the first one to 100 appearances? Amazing stuff. But uh, speaking of Gressel and Joseph, they both make the team of the week, as well as Frank DeBoer. And uh, Brad Guzan also makes the bench. Fantastic stuff to see. That's, uh, you know, just, I think, you know, with a six-point match week, Joseph Martinez also, uh, I think, probably maybe looked over for the, uh, you know, player, player of the week. Of the week I think. Yeah, but, but there was another guy that yeah, had a pretty good game. Uh, Zlatan kind of, you know. Zlatan kind of did did the business, so against LAFC. I'm gonna he give did. him that. I'm he gonna did. give him that. And I enjoyed it. I was pulling for Galaxy in that. <laughs> I was really salty because Carlos Vela's second goal shouldn't have counted because the time had already gone and sure. he was offside and I just don't want him breaking Joseph's record. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. That's true. I think something that is positive that blew my mind was the person that hit the golden spike yesterday, yeah. who in my opinion is the most famous person to hit it outside of Arthur Blank, obviously. But Possibly, like, yeah. But I like mean, Academy Award winner? Yeah. Where did this come from? Yeah, Ron Howard, I mean that's just like, you know, I mean, some of you guys might know him from Opie, or you know, Opie uh, as a character from Andy Griffith, uh, or from Happy Days, or you know, my girlfriend's favorite movie, The Grinch, uh, who he directed that movie. Um, He's directed a lot of movies. A lot of movies. I mean, if you don't know who he is, I mean, look him up. Find his entire uh, filmography is just outrageous and so he's born in Oklahoma I think and for him to be here he's probably filming something here and so I think uh, apparently he's filming Hillbilly Elegy uh, either way it was crazy to see Ron Howard that's just like was you know, not what I expected. Icon. Yeah, and uh, from going from a child star to just an Academy Award uh, award-winning director, I believe so anyway, um, is outrageous. Uh, and you know, for him to hit the spike, wow. So uh, anyway, yeah, uh, Atlanta United signed Mo Adams. Uh, yeah, and uh, he had some interesting things to say when he uh, arrived to Atlanta. And, at first, uh, when he was traded, yeah, at first when he was traded, he didn't know where he was going, and yeah. then he said. I think I found out a couple days ago, at the moment when I got told I was traded, I didn't know it was to Atlanta specifically. Once I heard I was going to Atlanta, I was over the moon of course. One of the team admins got in touch with me and said they would be flying me out. It all happened so quickly after that. And it happened really quickly because he was signed Wednesday morning and made his debut Wednesday night. Yeah, or he was announced anyway. And yes. that's just like really uh, kind of unprecedented stuff usually, I think. I mean, usually you kind of have uh, training session. Yes, yeah, some kind of time in between. Maybe not unprecedented, but it is kind of rare to see. He was a warm body. There yeah. were flat five players in the bench. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it's one of those. I think also he's that type of player. He doesn't really need to be on the ball a, a ton, and he's one of those guys that just is a bulldog, is going to chase around the playmaker. So it made sense that he probably didn't need a whole lot of training with the squad. But uh, also, uh, moving on, some terrible news, uh, and you probably already know this, but Breck Shea is, uh, has you know, season-ending surgery on his, uh, his knee, and, right. and it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's like that injury when you saw on the field, pretty crazy and gnarly to see anyway, and When it's hear, so innocuous like that, where yeah. he kind of steps on it, but then he, he, goes, immediately, he immediately knew yeah. what it was, and it's... Yeah. There's a lot of mixed opinions on Breck Shea. In my opinion, I think he was doing the best in the position he was being put into, and he was working his ass off to be as good of a player and help the team as much as he could. And to see a player like this go down, it's it's honestly awful. And yeah. you know, because now we've 
Okay, we've discovered a 352 uh, without him in the squad, but it is a case where, um, you know, he is a consummate teammate. He is depth at left back and left wing back and left wing. Uh, it's someone that, you know, I think you need down the stretch. Because, who knows what he could have done as yeah. a wing back, getting further forward and playing more as a winger like he's accustomed yeah. to. So it's, it's an absolute shame. We wish him nothing but the best yeah. for a speedy and healthy recovery. So, that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, guys, that gets us to a new game, and maybe you haven't, uh, if you've been paying attention in the last few weeks, then it's not a new game, but it's buy or sell, and uh, the first topic is 352 or not 352. I'm going to buy 352 right now, and mostly because of the three in central midfield. I bang on about 4-3-3 and I love Yadda. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I mm -hmm. think the important thing for Atlanta United is having three players in midfield. Mm -hmm. And those three players being Eric Hermetti, Darlington Nagby, and Emerson Hyman. Mm -hmm. Because the three of them all have different qualities. Mm -hmm. All of them have the ability to cover loads of ground. And I think it gives Atlanta United a very strong platform to build on. But also, it's a comfort level for a lot of these players. You yeah. get the best out of Julian Gressel. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes some pressure off Joseph Martinez and allows mm -hmm. him to find the pockets of space and play off the shoulder of the last man like he's so comfortable. So for mm -hmm. me, I'm buying it. Let's stick with it. Then again, we'll see if it holds up against the LAFC because that's a completely different kettle of fish. Exactly. I mean, I, I absolutely buy uh, 352 as well, but it is one of those things where yeah, we kind of not only discovered it late last year and also used it to tremendous effect, obviously, but uh, will it be found out if we play with it a ton and uh, you know we are maybe lacking the depth in some of the positions? Uh, Center back. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's really tough. I mean, you essentially, uh, you have one center back as the, the depth. And if you have one of the wing backs out, you pretty much have to use probably one of those. Uh, it's tough. It's going to be, I think, difficult to run it out there game after game. But I think I love the, um, you know, the utility in it. I love the spacing. I love the balance. Um, and I love that you're able to, um, yeah, not only get Joseph further forward when you need to, you know, make the runs in behind when you need to. But I, I do I do worry about this left back or left wing back position. Uh, we do need Bello in that spot, I think, to have the greatest effect. But, you know, Pereira and Miram have played it decently so far. We'll see how it fares against LAFC if we play it. So. Yeah, but with Bello starting to make his way back to fitness, mm -hmm. I think for him, Playing in a 3-4-3 was outrageous and I think crazy, but I think playing in the 3-5-2 is when he was playing that position, I believe, when he scored his goal against mm -hmm. the Revs last year, could be a lot more of a comfortable position for him to right. play in. It allows the first him the, the space on the wing to actually yes. operate. So, uh, But next topic for buy or sell is the MLS Cup Final TFO is in FIFA 20. That's uh, awesome to see, but do you buy where it is placed? No, I completely sell where it's placed. <laughs> come on, FIFA, you put it on the wrong side. Yeah, you... It's awesome, but come on, it can't be that hard to go. Oh, it's on the, the reference. They can change it. Yeah, it, they, they absolutely could change it, I think. Uh, but maybe it takes a while to paint all that. I don't know, who knows? But yeah, it needs to be on the window to the city side. Absolutely so, I absolutely sell as well. Uh, last topic is that Darren Eels, uh, on the potential Atlanta United NWSL team, uh, he said to the Atlanta Business Journal, we haven't considered a women's team yet. It is clearly going to be on our radar. It will probably be sooner rather than later. Do you buy or sell that, yeah, I mean, we haven't, you know, they haven't thought of uh, really putting together an NWSL team yet. I kind of sell the fact that they haven't thought about it. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way they haven't thought about it, or at yeah. least had conversations about it. Maybe they haven't, you know, thoroughly gone, okay, yeah, yeah we're going to do this. But they have to have thought about it by this point. I they mean, said they haven't many, considered. Look how I many mean, women we have going to our games. And that was something that Robbie from AFTV really noted yeah. as important, was that mm -hmm. how many women go to Atlanta United games. Yeah. And if you look at the markets, this is one of the biggest markets for watching the U.S. Women's National Team. Mm -hmm. But almost, I would guarantee, in terms of participation from women going to football matches as well, mm -hmm. we're right up there. So yeah. I saw the fact that they haven't thought about it. I yeah. think they've definitely thought about it. They just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. But I buy the idea of having one, 100%. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the question, but it's all right. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, I buy that they haven't thought of it because, I mean, the infrastructure, I think, at the training grounds, they're already packed to the brim. 
well, they did one. buy that extension. They did, and they haven't announced what it's going to be, and they actually, I think, are still figuring out what they're trying to do with it. Uh, and it, it depends on where they're going to play the NWSL team. I mean, that's uh, a big factor. Will they be able to, you know, get at least maybe even half of what uh, the Benz is, uh, at least attendance-wise? I absolutely hope, and I, you know, hope the men will show up as well. And um, yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where the infrastructure isn't quite there yet. I mean, season three, I mean, you know, you have the inaugural season, you have the, you know, Atlanta United 2, you have the reserve squad put in. You, yeah, you gotta take like steps and steps and steps in order to- It'll happen, I think, at some point in time. But I, I think they've thought about it before. They okay. just haven't, I think they've thought about it, but just gone, I don't think we can do this yet. But the idea that they haven't thought about it at all, I don't know. Okay. But uh, speaking of Robbie from AFTV, uh, yeah, or formerly Arsenal Fan TV, a uh, big inspiration for this channel. They were hanging out in Atlanta. Devin and Jay were uh, gracious enough to bring them down from Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, it was fantastic that they, uh, you know, were able to take in an Atlanta United match. Uh, also, yeah, Troops was there as well. Just, you know, big up to those guys. They're class individuals. But gracious enough to do fan cams at this exactly. as well. So check not only their vlog out, which is here in the card, but also their fan cams if you haven't checked them out already. And they're just, uh, they speak so well about LA United. It's uh, just really heartwarming to see. And uh, also, I am also a massive gooner, and so it, you know I had to, to I had to rep this tonight, and uh, you know it's it's one of those things. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I somehow managed <laughs> to get into a suite to watch the match with them. So exactly, it all worked out. He, I can't really complain. He had an even better day than everybody else. I feel. Like, I'm spoiled now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so check that out and check out all the other stuff uh, on the channel, content-wise. Five Strike Five, Squad Goals with Tito. If you haven't seen it. He Everything kicks my ass else. badly. Exactly. I'd forgotten it was like a PTSD cover up, and then I remembered it was. <laughs> and then it's like, oh my god, eleven three. Yeah, that 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 hat trick goal himself was. It that was, was that was saucy. It was. It was uh, I yes. still let's just not talk about it. <laughs> just go watch it. And uh, but anyway, so uh, we'll end the news with Atlanta United two. They lost four 0 to Birmingham Legion. They lost again. Let's move on. Yeah, and uh, so it's a, yeah, it is one of those unfortunate things. They are continuing to lose, and uh, you know they just have kind of teenagers playing and you know academy guys. It's tough, and veterans that maybe I'm not sure are good enough for uh, this level maybe. But it ain't the one. Anyway, let's move on to the mailbag, and you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Keaton Thomas, 61. In regards to our recent lineup, do you think we'll see two strikers being used more often? Uh, I think it depends on PT Martinez, because if PT Martinez starts playing better, I think you'll see him paired with Joseph, but given that freedom and the creativity kind of thrive in a free 10 role. And in the 3-5-2 specifically, mm -hmm. he's able to have a freer role with less defensive mm -hmm. responsibility than he would have in other formations. And as we saw in the, the second half against DC, he thrived there and mm -hmm. he was very good. And mm -hmm. as good as Brandon Vasquez has been playing, it might just be a who we're playing against. Mm -hmm. But if PC starts playing well, he's he's got to be in the side. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean... Yeah, it's more of a free roaming role versus like an out-and-out -out striker, and so that's where uh, the difference is. I mean, if you're going terming strikers, then it's probably not going to be a striker. Um, next question comes from JDR. Who would you put Barco in for? I think, okay, we'll have to... Good really, luck. Yeah, exactly. But we'll put it into these terms of right now, if he's healthy, and uh, with all the healthy players that we have now. So... Right now, if he's healthy, we don't play 3-5-2. Because there isn't a way that you can play him and PT in a 3-5-2 with having three men in midfield. Like, you'd have to drop one of Emerson Hindman, Javier yeah. Rometty. I don't see that happening. Well, I guess you maybe see Barco drop back a little further. Could he play left wing back? I don't think he, he would He works want hard him. enough. He works hard enough. I don't, but I don't want him to. No, I, I think that that definitely um, you know misuses his energy a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, he would be better suited as the 10, PT as the, the free roaming. Um, yeah, the second striker, if you will. And so I think in that scenario, if it's, yeah, 3-5-2, that's where I think it works. If not, uh, it's got to probably get back into a 4-2-3-1. Or a 4-3-3. Yeah, which is... 
dangerous because of how many goals we've shipped in that formation. But uh, again, I think three-man midfield yeah. is as of really right key. now because again, and it changes because of how Emerson Hyman has yeah. like fit so well into this team so yeah. quickly that having him in midfield with Rometty and Nagby, if they can figure out their rotations and making sure that one yeah. of them is always sitting, yeah. they those three have to play because your best three midfielders and help you so much in terms mm -hmm. of getting forward into the box, mm -hmm. and then you have you know Barco on the left and PT on the right, but. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, we haven't done well with the two sitting midfielders so far, really, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and it's also, uh, you know, with those terms, uh, it's also, yeah, we lack fullbacks, so. And yeah. that too, yeah. That's a big so one. we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. So anyway, uh, that's where we would put him. That's what we'll pay Frank DeBoer to find out. Yep. Uh, next question comes from Gray Barbie. What do you think the lineup will look with Tito and Barco back at full health? Uh, Tito will be on the bench. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, yep. I mean, he's I, he could play as a second striker at times, uh, and then if it's in a four-two-three-one and we have healthy fullbacks, uh, probably as a right winger or a left winger, that could work as well. But I think uh, yeah, Barco, um, as we just mentioned, probably best suited at least in the ten role or a left wing uh, role. Other than that, I think the important thing about the two of them coming back is that it gives you also depth. striker. Anyway. It gives you depth, and you're able yeah. to rotate those attacking players because yeah, when everyone's fit, has a good amount of attacking players that all offer a little bit something different. Yeah. And with how matches are being done this season, playing twice a week most of the time, tired legs happening, it does afford Frank DeBoer the opportunity to rotate his squad and not really mm -hmm. lose too much in terms of performance and skill because he has talented players that he can rotate in and out. Yeah. And that will help keep players fresher for the playoffs, mm -hmm. hopefully. Exactly, and especially yeah, I mean uh, our attack which if we're trying to you know play uh, a little bit more uh, you know kind of dangerously if you will yeah we will need those legs uh, in the in the, the stretch run but uh, next question comes from Eduardo V14 do you think Franco Escobar can adapt to the left back position I think he, it's an interesting idea yeah he could play there in a pinch uh, obviously um, I think you know. it depends on what the other team is doing yeah um, and we'll talk about well, I guess we're close here in a second but we're gonna yeah. talk about it more in the LAFC preview about how we would line up with someone like a Carlos Vela who mm -hmm. cuts in on their left foot and he would be defending on his stronger mm -hmm. right foot Frank DeBoer did that earlier in the season with Michael Party, Parkhurst yeah. so it's an idea mm -hmm. he has the ability to get up and down it's just usually you do play fullbacks on the side of their strong foot just because right. it's more natural for them yeah it's more natural for them to be able to put in a cross if they need to, and they don't have to cut in every single time if they really need to uh, pass the ball somewhere. And uh, so, yeah. Last question comes from Thad G15. Why does everyone roast Martinez about the pen? He's only missed two. It was a terrible pen, so you can kind of chuckle about that yeah, because he, he had a lot put going it on, on in yeah. his run up, but also at the same time, it's like. I think it's joke roasting because he scored later and it's like, man, he took a terrible pin and he never does that. So yeah. I'm not going to hold it against him because he scored exactly. later in the game anyway and because it's Joseph freaking Martinez. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, and like we just mentioned earlier, it's, yeah, if that's his worst moment on, you know, as a five stripe, <laughs> it's not too bad. So uh, anyway, that does it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for sending in those questions. And that gets us to the match preview. It's this Friday, LAFC. And it's at the Bank of California Stadium. It's going to be tough. It is going to be... It's going to be late Friday night as well. And that as well. They so. say 10. It'll be 10.30, just yeah. like El Trafico. And uh, hopefully everybody can stay up and, uh, you know, be at the watch parties and, uh, you know, enjoy this, uh, this match. Because I feel like it really will be a back-and-forth type of match. Uh, both teams like to possess the ball. Um, although, I think LAFC have been... Uh, proven at least this season to be a little bit more dangerous uh, even without the ball they can counter press and uh, really kind of put you in some unease which uh, when we've been in possession sometimes and you know with a team like Red Bulls we kind of struggle a lot of times it's so. a problem and these teams have only met once before we mentioned that earlier in the show and that was the 5-0 win for Atlanta United which was kind of flattering in the end there were three goals in the final few minutes and a red card so things got out of hand quickly but LAFC have been very very good this year yeah. when I was going on to do the match preview earlier and I looked on who scored and I was looking at their strengths and it just says like it's, very str it's all green some teams it's like three things LAFC it's just 
a bunch of things that they are just very, very good at. Basically scoring from anywhere, yep. um, attacking from anywhere, passing from anywhere, protecting the lead and not giving up goals unless of course it's the Galaxy game. Yep. Um, their weaknesses, there were three. Uh, avoiding offside, aerial duels, and then uh, defending against skillful players. That's it. Just three so, things. Yeah, you know, and that's uh, that bodes well against us because we, act, or you know, for us actually, uh, because we do have some very skillful players. Uh, so you know, uh, PT Martinez, I think, would do well here. Uh, maybe an Ezekiel Barco coming on later. Maybe also uh, would be someone very dangerous running at tired legs. That'd be awesome as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just LAFC, they are, you know, not only they play a consistent 11, like, and even with that, like, you know what you might expect and you still, most of the, the league hasn't been able to, uh, to crack their, uh, you know, their defense nor their attack. I mean, it's just, uh, it's tough. And their home stadium yeah. is an absolute fortress. They've yeah. won eight of their last nine games there. So <laughs> They, not only do they win every game, they win every game at home, and they've scored at least two goals in 12 of their last 13 home matches. So they score. You know they're going to score. Yeah. It's a big test for Atlanta United. This yeah. is the biggest game they have played all season. Yeah, and, and I think as measuring we... measuring stick. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, as we prognosticated early in the season, or even in the match. whole season preview, preview, actually, that this, I circled this as a match that definitely we will... Uh, not only, yeah, the measuring test, we will be, I think, uh, having to really figure out if uh, we can do anything on the road against a good team. Because, yeah, we've lost our five last away matches. And uh, this is the toughest test yet. It's the toughest place you can go away yeah. in MLS. Against a team that just lost a match, they're going to be probably a little bit pissed off as well. Yep. So, Kitlania is catching them at a very interesting time. Yes. And I think this is... For MLS fans and for the neutral, I think this could be fantastic. Mm -hmm. For the league, it's going to be a great highlight of the two biggest teams I think that you have right now in mm -hmm. terms of fan base and the, the cultural impact. These in terms teams of trending up as well. Exactly. Yeah. They're, so. they're kind of modeling themselves in a similar vein. But they're an incredible team. And they have some incredibly talented players, starting with Carlos Vela, who already has 21 goals and 8 assists in just 20 appearances Although his two goals in the last game, one was a crap pin and one was an offside goal, but we won't talk about that. The point Either is, he's way. scoring against <laughs> everyone or getting an assist. 29 goals he's responsible for in 20 appearances. Those are FIFA numbers, Indeed, and he's there. doing it in real life. Yeah. Uh, you know, another person to look uh, look kind of uh, as a guy that uh, I think we need to be able to, to um, you know, target and, you know, make sure that we can get past him, Edward Atuesta. Um, yeah. He's very good. Very, very good. And he's a, a guy that, yeah, in central midfield, he's just their playmaker. He's a guy that uh, usually sits at their base. And, I mean, you know, sitting at that base, he's got eight assists. He's the definition of a deep-lying playmaker. Oh. Because his passing ability, he has every range of pass in his locker. And when he does decide to go forward, he's incredibly skilled dribbling as well. He can go past players, beat a man, and then lay the ball off. Yep. He's an incredibly talented player. And a lot of the time, you don't think of MLS having a talented deep-lying playmaker like him. But that is exactly what he is. He is one of the best in the league, in, in my opinion, at doing what he does. And then you also can't forget about Diego, Diego Rossi, yeah. who also has 11 goals and four assists. It's, and it's just like, the goals come from everywhere from this right. team. They are just incredibly talented, top to bottom, front to back. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they're pushing right now to break MLS records in terms of points, goals, mm -hmm. and the whole nine yards. Yep. They are the best team in the league, and this is going to be a very difficult test for Atlanta. United. Indeed. So, yeah, some, some of the keys to the game, yeah, we definitely have to limit our mistakes against uh, a team this dangerous uh, and really not give away any of the balls, LGP. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, might just be an easy, you know, give for them to get a chance. If Atlanta um, plays around, because we know Atlanta likes to build out of the bat. Mm -hmm. But like you saw against Red Bulls, like you saw against Seattle, like you've seen in numerous other games, they can get caught on the ball when trying to play out of the back. And LAFC is the best team and one of the best teams in the history of MLS at counter-pressing. When they lose the ball, when it's in Atlanta's defensive third, they will be on Atlanta players very quickly. And if they're not thinking and they make mistakes, LAFC will punish Atlanta United. They are not a team that misses their chances when they get them. Some teams in MLS, you can get away with that. This is not the one to do that, yeah. which is what's so concerning about this match for me is that Atlanta United does not play well against the press yeah. and usually make these mistakes. LGP, like you said, 
cannot make those mistakes in yep. this game. Yeah, and also it's, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, with that uh, kind of, you know, them being so clinical, you know, Vela has a kind of Aryan Robin quality where, you know, he cuts in, He's Left going foot, to score. It's going in the corner. Yeah, and so you kind of just really, uh, you can't let him cut in somehow, some way, and it's probably easier than said, but uh, whoever plays, you know, in that area pretty much has to just mark him to death. But, um, yeah, we also, um, you know, we probably need to figure out uh, our style of play, and so... Maybe it's being a little bit more physical because seeing what LA Galaxy did. They maybe, were very physical. Yeah, and so, you know, puts them off a little bit. Uh, hopefully they still haven't learned from that. And, you know, maybe we can at least um, make it a back and forth match uh, and not one sided with that regard. But, uh, yeah, we also need to take advantage of the space in behind because. Yeah, when they're counter pressing and high up the pitch, there will be spaces left in behind. Right. They will play with a high in line. They are mm -hmm. aggressive. So Joseph Martinez will have some spaces and the ball to be played into that that area behind the defense. So that mm -hmm. it is route one and it might not be pretty sometimes, but if Atlanta can win the ball back right. in, in, in when the, it's in transition in that kind of space between LAFC attacking Atlanta United's final third, mm -hmm. like you saw kind of with that second goal last night. Yeah. If you have the ability to get the ball and get it quickly down the field, it might not be the prettiest at times, but it can be very, very effective. Yeah, and I, I think especially, I mean, you know, we've shown that we are deadly on counterattack, especially with Jose Martinez leading a break or anything like that. So, you know, that's something that uh, we need to take advantage of. But, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, this kind of team, uh, we have to figure out if, are, are we going to press them? Because, you know, they like to possess the ball. Is this something that, you know, we're good at? Not particularly. And so, uh, is it a Vasquez that's in there that has been at least good at kind of triggering the press and getting the team to press as a team? But do you need the, the you know, the uh, creative qualities, the, the technical ability to be able to break them down? Uh, it really leads to some interesting, I think, uh, you know, uh, lineup choices for sure. But before we get into that, um, let's get into the injuries and unavailable players for LAFC. Mohamed El Munir, who took that Zlatan elbow to the side of the cranium, um, will he may have to have surgery to repair yeah, that because so. he does have a fracture in his skull. Yeah, and if you've seen those X-rays, which we won't show, but it is just it's insane. It's but, um, and for LA United, uh, Ezekiel Barco is back in training, of course, as we've mentioned. And he was in the 18 for the, for the DC United match. So that bodes well. George Bello is back in training, but he's probably a little further away. He probably needs some time at the USL squad uh, before he's really fully back because he, he also hasn't played since... Everywhere right now, yeah. The first leg against everybody, kind of the first match of the season, yeah. Uh, and also Tito Vishalba, uh, I think, is kind of in that kind of time frame, a, you know, a little bit a ways away as well. And uh, Kevin Kratz and Florentine Pogba are also just, uh, you know, still coming back from the injury. I think Kratz probably way further away and maybe needs to be put on the, the season ending if it really is. Hopefully not, because we still need a Kevin Kratz, I think, uh, you know, during the stretch run. But that gets us to our predicted 11. We'll kind of go through the lines together. And of course, Goose. Yep, Goose and goal. Yep. And, and then, I, actually, uh, I changed my mind about what I was playing, because we discussed it a little bit before the show. Um, uh, and I'm going to actually kind of agree with you as far as what we're going at mm -hmm. with the back line. And that's going to be what we saw at the beginning of the season, a back three of Parkey on the right, Robinson in the middle, and LGP on the left. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, through the midfield here, uh, or right, we'll bring back first, uh, you have Gressel, and then you have Nagby, Remetti, Heinemann, of course, uh, as that three-man midfield. This is where you made me change my mind. Yeah, Escobar at left wing back, because you have a guy like Carlos Vela, who loves to cut in Escobar, being right-footed, fantastic, and also, if you can kind of put Vela under some pressure a little bit, because if Franco Escobar, who loves to bomb down the wings, can get in behind him and have to make uh, Vela do some defending, bodes a little bit better, right? And, and Vela kind of got a bit frustrated in the Galaxy game by being a bit 
physically harassed in a yep. sense by them, and that's something we know Franco Escobar is very, yep. very good at. And he will again, probably get a yellow. He will 100% but... get a yellow in this match, I can almost guarantee that, but yep. if he can frustrate mm -hmm. Carlos Vela and put him under pressure, that could be really good. Not to right. mention he is athletic, he is quick, he is right. strong, all the things that you need for someone to try and mark Carlos Vela, mm -hmm. who is right now one of the best, if not the best player in MLS, mm -hmm. unless you ask Zlatan. <laughs> yep. And again, the, the point of defending on his strong foot when he cuts in, this is something that Frank DeBoer has shown that he will do already this season. So when, when we were talking about that before we started filming, it absolutely clicked and made sense to me, and I think that's a position that we could absolutely see Franco Escobar in. Yeah, and I think it, uh, not only what I just mentioned above, I mean, he's got that work rate where he can just bomb up and down and the there's entire no one on the team that has that. Exactly. I mean, especially at his pace as well. It's just, yeah, as a defender, he's just uh, kind of otherworldly in that re regard. Uh, but uh, it will be still a different position for him. So it will take a little bit of adjustment. Hopefully they've been training uh, and will be training throughout the week with him in that position if it were so. Um, and you also have, you know, uh, as the two... I guess we're going three, five, two now. Two, two forwards, we'll call them. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's Joseph, of course. Yes. And then, uh, who do you have? PT Martinez. Yeah. I think that he's just so talented right now, and he's seems to be coming into some confidence, into good form. You have to play the, the man with the hot hand. That's why Vasquez has been playing. Right. And I think that with some spaces being left at the back, he won't have to worry much about defending because of playing in the three, five, two. Because he'll have mm -hmm. the three midfielders behind him. I think that if he can find some spaces and get the ball, and Atlanta United can get him the ball quickly when we counter, mm -hmm. he has the ability to unlock the door and find Joseph like you saw right. in that second goal. And you saw that a lot in the game against the Galaxy when the Galaxy could get the ball into that center circle area when they were countering. There were spaces on the wings where the fullbacks had moved up field for LAFC. And if anyone's on this team is going to get the ball in the area, I think it should be PT Martinez. And with mm -hmm. confidence, I think he has the ability to exploit them. Indeed, indeed. So that gets us into our score prediction. And uh, what do you got? I'm you not gonna, confident. I think know. LAFC are going to win 3-1. I think we're catching them at a bad time. I think they're pissed off after that game. Uh, Zlatan chatted a bunch, got them really riled up, yeah. and I think that they're going to come out with something to prove. Yeah. Two weeks in a row on national television, and I just think they're the best team in the league right now, with all due respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Atlanta has some injury issues, and they're trying to figure out the best way of playing. Yeah. LAFC know how they're going to play. Yeah. They're going to come out 4-3-3. They're going to play the same way they played every other game. And I think it's that confidence, that familiarity that they're going to use, and they're going to come out. And I, I just, mm -hmm. in front of those fans at that stadium, mm -hmm. the numbers just don't lie, and Atlanta's been garbage on the road. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go 3-1 to LAFC. No, that is fair. Uh, but I think, you know, with that little bit of confidence, especially with the Houston match, especially uh, against D.C., uh, kind of different types of uh, wins, not only that, but you know, different types of uh, grit, I think, to be able to see them out like that with clean sheets. I think it builds definitely some confidence going in. Uh, I think it's a 2-2 draw, which I think is a positive step in the right direction on the road anyway, especially if we can get that on the road against LAFC. That's a good point. Massive. You take that point. If you get Massive. that point, you absolutely take it. 100%. Yeah. So that wraps it up for the match preview and gets us to our question of the day. And our question of the day is very, very important. The most secretive of all secret notes. Yes. Caption what the note said that Frank DeBoer gave to Darlington Nagby. I, I don't know what it said, but there's memes abound on the internet, on the Reddits, on the Twitter spheres. It is out there. People are really enjoying it. But what did Frank DeBoer write on that note to Darlington Nagby? Get yeah. down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>